1: And hello, friends. We welcome you once again to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network as we continue to profile the outstanding authors and publishers that have connections to Appalachia. And we examine those works as well as how the Appalachian region influences and impacts their works. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us as we bring you another outstanding episode. And we are going to be talking about a brand new book from a debut book, a debut uh, thriller. That uh, you're going to want to add to your to be read pile. If you're looking for something to read, you are going to love this one. The title of the book is called Her Name is Night. And our guest today is the creator and the author of the book, Her Name is Night, Yasmin Ongo. And Yasmin joins us. She hails from Northern Virginia. She is a first generation Gahanian American who grew up in two cultural worlds. She has taught English in middle and high schools for years, she served as an instructional coach. For virtual teachers and has also spent some time as a freelance copy editor. She recently received the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for Emerging Writers of Color, from the Sisters of Crime, of which she's a proud member. And when she's not writing and not creating great books like Her Name is Knight, she is uh, spending time with her blended family in South Carolina. She's trying new recipes and she's also probably absorbed in some type of an audio book. And we are so delighted uh, to have Yasmin on the program with us today as we talk about her debut book. And boy, it's a good one. So Yasmin, welcome to the program. So good to have you with us today.
2: Yay. Thank you, Elliot. Thank you for having me.
1: So glad to have you here. And and this was a book that um, was just so wonderful for so many reasons. And it was a book that just really uh, grabbed my attention from the very beginning and just wouldn't let go until the very end. It was just the kind of Thriller, just the kind of, of book that, uh, that I love and that I know a lot of the readers who are, uh, and listeners of our program are going to love as well. I want to ask you uh, a, a quote that I did or found in doing some research about you uh, as it relates to the book. And I'll just read the, the, read the quote that you gave. I believe this was to the Hasty Book List interview uh, that you did right as the book came out. And uh, I thought you could kind of give us some background and context as to how this relates to what your story is about in Her Name mm-hmm. is Night. And uh, you said, "I also wanted, um, I also wanted my love of high octane action and plot centered around a character that readers don't typically see in this genre, but absolutely should—a black woman." And when I read that quote, I thought about the kind of story that you've created, and and the fact that there aren't black female protagonists that are like Lena, who is your primary character in the book. So can you tell us a little bit about creating this story and and, and, and why you wanted to center a black, uh, a black woman as the protagonist here?
2: Yeah, definitely, because those are the stories that I loved growing up uh, reading and watching, you know, um, it, people, you know, don't, they're, they're surprised when I tell them, but like, I love um, all those kinds of movies—the Jack Reachers and the Ryans and the Bournes and the John Wicks and all of that, right? Um, I live for those kind of movies, and I also live for those kind of books because I'll read the, um, you know, the Pattersons and the Stephen Kings because I love horror, all of that stuff. But like you said. As I was watching all of that, I don't see people who look like me in those in those like headlining roles um, and in that, you know, character in that that protagonist that goes and save the day or the story is wrapped around them. Um, if I'm watching James Bond, then you know someone who who's like me, or even a woman. Period is going to be you know his love interest, his you know the the damsel in distress. If that's if we're going to be in there, um, there his girl Friday. And I was like, you know what, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't books, um, and movies and TV shows like that with with you know with a person of color or a woman, a black woman, um, headlining. But I didn't see it um, for me, and so therefore I was like, you know, I'm going to write about someone that I I want to relate to because that's the kind of thing you know that I love and I'd love to see myself you know kicking ass and doing can I say that um, on the show but I'm gonna say it and y'all are gonna forgive me but like I want to see you know all of that I want to see me do that and I want you know my kids to see themselves and anybody really any woman to see herself in that role um and not being the person who gets saved but the person who is saving herself and doing the saving of others you know what I mean so so that's when I just said, I'm going to write a story about that. I'm going to blend those two because I love to write about women. I love to write about, you know, women of color. I love stories that don't only give you that high octane. I love you know, a background story. I want to know what makes those characters tick, even the bad guy, right? I want to know why they're doing that, because to me, that's a full story. And and those are the kind of stories that I love to, you know, devour, are the ones that give me like a full plate, like a Thanksgiving meal of everything, you know? And so that's the kind of story that I wanted to deliver. So uh, meshing my high octane, you know, jumping, scaling walls and doing, you know, Krav Maga and all that other stuff with this is this person you know inside and out this is the journey that this person went through to get to this place um and i just wanted to mix all of that together so that's what i set out to do
1: we did a great job with it and we follow uh we follow a terrific character uh her name is nina and i just wanted to kind of encapsulate what happens to her and then we can kind of get into some of the more uh, disparate threads behind her story um Mm -hmm. what happens to her she is our protagonist at age 13 uh, she witnesses her family uh, being killed in front of her and the destruction of her home, uh, which is a Gahanian village. and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. You could probably pronounce <laughs> that. it begins with a, with an N and an N, n. apostrophe n. Um, and, but her father was the chief of this village that was that was mm-hmm. destroyed. And some of the men that uh, invaded the village and killed her family and her father, especially, were trying to use this village as sort of an illegal trafficking kind of hub or a place mm-hmm. where illegal trafficking would take place. And um, as I said, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of pick that apart here in just a minute. But I wanted to ask you the, the origins of that story. Where did that come from? I know you said that you're a big fan of Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan and some of those great, great. Uh, sort of uh, heroes that have to take on these kinds of dangerous criminals and dangerous situations. But the, mm-hmm. that, that whole plot uh, outline there, where did that come from? Where did, where did you get the idea to, to put that together and to have Nina kind of experience these different things in her life?
2: Right. Well, so what happened was I was um, at an um, educational conference, actually, and there was a session that was being led by survivors of human trafficking. And when I was sitting there and listening to their stories of you know what had happened to them and how they survived it, and they're talking about their journey, you know to making them reinventing themselves and making themselves in a way that you know they want to present themselves now and how they came through all this uh, you know adversity and, and were you know be, were able to, to be with us that day, that just totally like blew my mind. I was in such awe of them and their their strength and their courage to speak about their, you know, what they had been through, you know, cause that's not easy to discuss. Um, and and it just, I, I came away from that session thinking, oh my gosh, that is so, first of all, like they are so like amazing. They're such like sheroes and heroes. Um, and, and, and then secondly, I was like, but you know, like I knew everybody knows that something like that happens. Like we see that in that movie T- Taken, right? With Liam Nees- Neeson, but you don't really, that that's really happening like next door. And so that was my, the thing that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna write about this. And because I already knew I was gonna write about my Ghanaian culture, it just so happens that it, you know, happened in her village. But if I had decided to write, you know, about right here in Columbia, South Carolina, it would have happened right next door and nobody would have known that this is this thing is happening this human trafficking is happening and then we have it here in Columbia South Carolina it's on the news like you know every couple of weeks about you know trafficking and, and sex trafficking and things like that and so I really wanted to talk about this thing that, you know, people kind of know about, but like they don't really know because it's not in your face. So I said, I'm going to make it like in your face. And and yes, this thing is set like, you know, thousands of miles away, but it is something that literally can happen right next door. And you will never know that your neighbors are participating in, in that, or, you know, you're in the airport next to someone who's, you know, a victim um, of it or, you know, and, so like to be aware. And so I really wanted to to spotlight in Nina's strength was um, the strength of those people that I heard at that session. But then I also just wanted people to kind of come away with what I came away with like, wow, this thing happens like right next door. And so I need to be more aware and I need to be thinking about the things that are happening around me, you know, and I'm not in this bubble, you know? So
1: Very that's good. how
2: it all came to be.
1: Excellent, excellent. And just before we continue to sort of situate our readers, we've talked about Ghana and Ghanaian culture. Where is that? Where Where is Ghana? If people are looking at a map of Africa, where would they be looking if they were trying to find it? Kind of way, mm-hmm. give us some um, some geo ge- geography or geographical positioning of where Ghana is.
2: Right. So Ghana is on the West Coast. And so if you see Ghana, it's kind of, it looks almost like you know, a weird, I don't know, kidney, almost kind of, I don't know what a kidney looks like, but that's what I'm going to say. But, um, and then it is just like right on the bottom hook. And it's just this small village, um, you know, like next to Togo and and, um, all of that. So you'll just find it. It's right on the coast and it's called the Gold Coast. So, so if you look at it and you see like that little curve, we're just right at that little curving, and you'll see it. There we
1: are. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. So back to Nina for just a second. We talked a little bit about kind of what she experiences early on in the story, but her story doesn't really end there after her family Mm -hmm. is is murdered by this this group that comes in, this syndicate that tries to take over and use that as an illegal trafficking uh, hub. Uh, She's eventually kidnapped. Nina is. She is is tortured herself. Uh, And then she's sold to a, a pedophile in France. And one of the interesting things I loved about the, the, those scenes, even though th- those were tough scenes, and we had to kind of experience those with her, something happens to her—certainly uh, physically, but but kind of mentally and emotionally. Um, that whole experience. Can you talk to us a little bit about the change that happens in her? She's going through this terrible uh, set of circumstances that just are un- unimaginable for most of us uh, to to read about or to, to think about experiencing, but something happens to her kind of in her thinking and in her mind. Can you talk about what happens to her based on that experience as she kind of comes through that?
2: Sure, 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 sure. So, so the whole story is really about like um, Nina's being a survivor and her coming. And her survivor's guilt. She has a lot of survivor's guilt that she's dealing with because, you know, of that she's one of the people that survived at, you know, her her village and and things like that. And so while she is going through all these, you know, things that are happening to her, each of those experiences, she's coming away, you know, as a survivor, like she's almost at the point I'm going to give up. And then like she, this innate nature of hers is to be surviving. Like this thing is not going to, destroy me. It's not going to kill me. I got to get out of here. And so no matter how many times things are thrown at her, she just has this will to survive and to like this thing, this fire that kind of just flares in her that she will just like fight whatever it is that is, you know, trying to take this power from her. And, and she, and she doesn't know that she, has this thing where she's just got to like live and she's got to regain back these things that were taken from her. Um, And and that's the thing that she is kind of learning as she goes through all of this. And, And that's the thing also, you know, there are a lot of things in this book. And one of them is, you know, having that guilt, that remorse of being that at that time it was, I had lost my father several years before that. And so I was going through guilt of, you know, maybe not being there when he passed away and how do you, and anything like, so people go through a lot of stuff, right. And it could be big, it could be small, you know, depending on like how people see it or whatever, even the smallest thing that you go through, how do you move from that? How do you survive that and, and build yourself up again and take back the things that you feel were taken from you? And so that's what I really wanted to explore with her is how she regains back this power that was taken, how she regains back her name, because you'll you'll if you read the book, you'll see she's called many names in the book. And so she is regaining slowly and surely all these things back. And even when she makes the choice and she's got these choices because choice was taken from her. And so when she gets the choice of what do you want to do, how are you going to get through this thing is something that she's asked, right? And she says, I, "All I want back is my power." And and so this person, you know, introduces her into a way that he feels is she's able to release the anger that she's been building. Um, and and she makes the choice to be you know, what she is and and she does it unapologetically. And that's also something that I wanted to um, explore, especially with a woman, because, you know, we tend to apologize for a lot of things, you know, if, we, if we're thinking about ourselves and not our family, because I'm a mother and I'm a wife and, you know, I'm always thinking about everybody else. And I get guilt. I feel guilty when I'm like, you know what, Yasmin, you were just so tired. I just want to eat like lemon pepper wings, because that's the one thing Nina and I share. We love lemon pepper wings and I want a milkshake and I'm not going to get anything for the family. They're going to have to figure out what they're going to eat, you know, and then I start to feel guilty. And so, and that's something really small in comparison to what Nina may feel guilty of, but As a woman, you know, we always apologize for the things that we want to do for ourselves. And so I wanted to make her unapologetically a killer. She said, This is the thing that I'm going to do because this is the thing that's going to keep me sane. And this is how I feel like I can protect myself is to learn how to fight and defend myself. And I'm not going to apologize because I got to kill a person or two. That's just the way it is. And so that's where I was trying to go with her.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because there were several times when I was reading the book and I was making some notes on the book. Uh, for our interview, and I kept writing agency by her name, or, or the different, I, we, we don't want to spoil too much of what happens in the story, right. but I, I kept writing the word agency, and I kept writing uh, the phrase, you know, Nina's getting her agency back, and mm-hmm. and and it's through those steps that you're talking about, through kind of uh, uh, becoming this new person, and realizing that um, she can and, and will stand up for herself and will do what needs to be done and will do it and kind of just you know wipe the dust off her hands and not be, not feel guilty and not be ashamed and not feel like you know she is doing something that is that is that is less than herself and so I'm so glad right. that you so glad that you mentioned that I, I wanted to ask you there's two great characters who who kind of slip into the story uh, after these these terrible things happened to Nina uh, and the two characters are Delphine Knight and her husband Noble. But Mm -hmm. they're a little different than what you might think. They kind of rescue Nina at some point. But what Nina finds out is they're connected to an organization called The Tribe. And Mm -hmm. this pops up a lot about midway through the book all the way through the end. And this kind of propels the second half of Nina's journey. Can you tell us a little bit about The Tribe, what that is, Mm -hmm. what their goals are, and how Nina kind of fits into that?
2: Right. So, yeah. So, so Nina comes across um, Noble and Delphine and, you know, yes, they're not your typical like parent parental figure. And I just love them so much because even though they're not your typical par- parental figure, like they are also very unapologetic about what they do. and So they, they run this organization and, and it is an organization that they um, are, you know, just a, a organization of people, different African people, um, so it is um, across the continent of very wealthy people who are striving to to make Africa like a one Africa, almost like a United States of America, United States of Africa. And and they're not trying to to take things from any other country or, or anything like that. They want to have that agency that you mentioned for themselves. And so we all know that Africa, you know, has been a continent where many uh, people have come and, you know, colonized it and have taken its resources and its minerals and and the wealth and it's a very wealthy continent, right? And so what they want to do is to give that that agency and that power back to the people of Africa. And by doing that, they they want to so they are going to be self-contained and that means that they are going to build this big organization and and make it make it even more wealthy bring in all this money so that they can then put that money back into the continent and help those that are underserved in the continent to regain that agency and then you know uh take back like ownership of Um, of the resources that get, you know, pillaged out and and things like that. But they also need to, they know that they need, they're going to have people against them. And so they have to form this um, security force kind of um, to enact, to keep people in line, to keep their own people in line, not other people, but their own. And so, so they're not going out and just killing people. They've got, if they're killing someone, it's for a very specific reason. And that's because that person has gone against their cause. And that's a person within their group that has gone against their cause. So, so their, their security force, so to speak, which is called dispatch is, is the one that they send out to kind of, you know, dole out the consequences that they decree. Does that make sense? What I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) does. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Yasmin Ongo is our guest here today on the program. She is uh, the author of the brand new book, Her Name is Night, and we'll come back to the book uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, Yasmin, I want to ask you, uh, in doing some research for this interview, I came across David Baldacci's Instagram feed and yeah. he did a video <laughs> where he said, Her Name is Night is the can't miss thriller of 2021 And that everybody needs to add this to their to be read pile. When you hear someone like David Baldacci, who is, you know, in the pantheon on the Mount Rushmore of crime thriller writers, fiction writers, when when you hear an endorsement like that, what do you think? How does that make you feel?
2: Well, I'm like, hot damn! First of all, you said he did a video because I did. I actually did not know that. That I thought I knew that he sent out, you know, um, an Instagram like a post, right? But I didn't know it was an actual video. So now I have to watch it, find it, and watch it, and and see him say my name in his mouth. That's really cool. Um, but I mean when i got the email that he was gonna that he agreed to blurb it and then read what he said i was just like floored because he is also someone that i read um you know coming up with him and 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 james patterson in those along that line michael crichton and, and lee child and all of those um so you know i am very well read in that genre please and so to have him you know you know, give Nina, you know, a little the respect and say that this is a good book and and uh, I'm I'm just blown away and so I am just so thankful. I can't believe it. I'm like, really you said that about me and the video. I'm so like and awe. So thank
1: you. Wow. You're welcome. I'm you are go very look. welcome. And so, yes, yeah, so well, so well deserved. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you too, you had an interesting story about how this book came to publication. And I understand that when you set out to write this book or when you had the first draft finished, that you didn't have an agent or a publisher in mind. You you had just written this story, and then you got or submitted it to the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award for Emerging Writers. Of color Mm -hmm. and it ended up winning first place Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. can you talk about the the decision to enter that uh, as a writer were you nervous at all were you did you just do it because maybe you thought well i'll just give it a shot and see what happens and and once it won how did that lead you to getting your agent and getting your contract with thomas and mercer
2: well so so funny thing is how what did i feel when i sent that in when i sent that in Um, when I sent in my application for that or my submission for that, I had also sent in queries, you know, to many, um, um agents and things like that so I had queries out I had received like a whole lot of rejection so I have been trying to be published for like over 20 years this isn't the first book that I've written um this is you know like the second book that I've tried to query and get published And my first was a women's fiction so that kind of explains why I like to get deep into the characters and stuff but um but I, I said I was going to, you know, try to um, publish this book or, you know, try to get an agent. I started in January. I was getting rejections left and right, even though I was like, this is a good book. Like, this is going to be it. Like, people are going to love it. I just need people to read it. But people were telling me, no, we don't want to read it. We don't like it. What is this? We can't connect to the character. And I was like, what does that mean? And so they weren't really giving me a uh, tangible feedback that I can go fix, they were like, oh, your voice is great and your story is great, but we just can't connect for whatever reason. So by the time um, I heard about the, the award, the Eleanor Taylor Bland Award, which was, um, which was being uh, presented by Sisters in Crime, It was from one of my writer friends, Kelly Garrett. Um, We were in a writing group together and she just mentioned it. And I was like, she was like, you should apply. And I was like, I don't know why because I don't win anything. Nobody wants this story and I'm gonna quit. So I was literally about to quit when I submitted this entry. Um, and I said, but I'll just do this one more thing because you know, what the hell, and I'm not going to win anyway. It doesn't really matter. Nobody likes it. And so I was really about to quit. Um, and I sent it off and I didn't even think about it because like I said, I thought I was going to lose. Um, and right before I found out about, you know, that I had won, I got the call from my agent so someone you know re- emailed me and said hey do you want to jump on a call and I was like oh my gosh like you want to talk to me about my like this like you like it for real because by then I had such a complex that nobody would like it and, and Melissa Melissa Edwards who is my um, agent she was like yeah I want to talk to you about it and so everything there was nothing right all these rejections for you know over 20 years of me stopping and starting. But when I started and really got into it, like nothing but rejections. And then from January to, I don't know, May, it was like a flood of rejections. And then I get this yes from Melissa. And then I check my email, maybe about two weeks, like two weeks later, I check my email and I look in my spam and I'm like, uh, you know, you're a winner and you know when we get those that email we're like okay you just want me to like send money to some weird country or whatever i'm not doing that and i ignored it um thinking you know whatever and i was about to clear out that that spam folder and i was like oh let me look let me look at it again and i looked and it was like you're a winner eleanor taylor i was like oh this is for real for real and so like i very nearly deleted that email Um, And so when things finally happened for me, they happened like bing, bang, 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 right? And so that I already know that that's not something that normally happens. And definitely my journey was a long time coming to get to that point. Um, And so, yeah, I got the Eleanor Taylor Bland and then a couple, not even a couple months later, um, it was literally bang, bang, right after the other, right after that, after I got the award and they announced it, then um, my agent, um, set my my book out to editors. And so within that week, just a few days later, we started getting phone calls, you know saying that they were interested in talking about you know a book deal. and I was like, wow. and so this, it was like a, a head spin. I can't even believe it. And then after that is when you know then we she got an email from um, a production a studio saying, you know hey, we want to talk about. Um, making it into a, see, a TV series. And I was like, wait, how the hell did they even get the manuscript? It has like spelling mistakes. And I mean, I'm so embarrassed about what it, so like that, I mean, it just really happened. And it, I'm still thinking, I'm like, I don't even know how it all happened, but I'm so happy it did.
1: Well, I, mean, I am too. And And the two companies <laughs> involved in that are Endeavor Content and Ink Factory, as you were mm-hmm. talking about that. And they are going to be co-producing a series adaptation of your book, um, and it was brokered by UTA in a competitive mm-hmm. situation. So congratulations yeah. for, for that as well. So uh, my last Thank question, you. before we get back to your book, um, I, I've read in some interviews that you've given you, you always mention your family and, and kind of talk about them and their influence. So what do they think about, um, uh, Mom and and your husband (laughs) think about that. My wife is is this wonderful person, which you are. But then she's writing these 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 books about this deadly assassin who's doing all things. And lean. What what do they think about all of this?
2: So my husband is like, I better watch my step, and I'm like, you sure better. (laughs) no his joke now is like when we when we're talking and he he might he might get on my nerves because maybe he forgot to pick up something because you know just leaving a trail of stuff and he's like you know are you thinking about killing me right now I'm like yeah I might be you know um and my mom she is, she is still, she has not read it. And, and I've told her not to. And she has said that initially that she wasn't going to because she is, um, she is a Christian woman. And so she is not for all of that assassination stuff. And so she has literally said to me, and like, we had a party not too long ago. And so she said to everyone that um, she asked the Lord to forgive me. So that is what, that is what my mother said. I I asked my, I asked the Lord to forgive my daughter is what she said. So, (laughs) so hopefully I'm forgiven, I don't know.
1: Well, you got your mom's sort of blessing and then the Lord's blessing, so that that, would be, Lord, two, please. that would be two, two, two great things. They're fantastic. The and book I have my about,
2: husband scared. That's good.
1: And your husband's scared. Well, you got the. It's perfect. It's all panning out well. Uh-huh. <laughs> the book we're talking about here on now Appalachia today it's called Her Name Is Night. The author is Yasmin Ongo, and we're so glad to have her with us today. And uh, Yasmin, let's go back to the book for a couple of minutes, because um, something else happens as we get to the back third of the story. And as we start mm-hmm. to see um, Nina adapting to this new life as this unapologetic assassin, mm-hmm. she develops a friendship with uh, a federal attorney. Uh, and I love that relationship because he sees her just as she is and and with you know doesn't doesn't worry about you know necessarily pretenses or anything like i mean he genuinely likes her for her but one of the interesting twists is um she he he is targeted for uh assassination by the tribe and she can't quite bring herself to do that and she kills someone else instead um what happens after that and what kind of trouble does that put nina in
2: I mean, it puts her in a lot because that is the first time since she's made the decision to work with the tribe and to align herself with this, you know, with her new family and things like that and take on their um, their goals and their loyalties. That's the first time that she, you know, makes a, a choice other than what she's been told to do. Up until now, she's always done her job. She's very, you know, she's a stickler about doing her job, but when she is faced with this person who, you know, very, for the first time has made her think about something other than work and the tribe and her family, like she has never really thought about someone in like a, a romantic way. And so now this person is making her think about, wait, there's like another kind of life that could happen like what is that about and so she has to then you know figure out what does she feel about that and how much she wants to explore that you know how and and he has a kid too who is who really she's drawn to um a, a kid who reminds her of herself and and so that whole dynamic is something that she definitely wants to explore. And yeah, it is interesting because you know, he's a federal attorney and she's an assassin and how when they talk about like justice and and you know, vigilantism and, and all that, they have like really good conversation because, you know, it is a conversation to be how like, you know, is vigilant vigilantism is that just? Um, do you get a right to do that and and like justice is justice really that when you know, it's really still people making the choice, like what is fair and what isn't, and, and by whose standards. And so that is the conversation that, that they have and that they continue to have, because his has always been, this is the rule, this is justice and, you know, this, we're going by what, you know, the system is. And she's like, but what if the system's broken, you know? Um, and and she's lived that life, right? And he might have not. So it brings up some really great conversation between the two of them. And I don't know how they're going to work it out. So I mean, you're, we're just, not, I don't know. <laughs> Even I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. And I love it when an author says they don't know. I'm like, yes, we 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 have got a storyline that is really working, or a subplot mm-hmm. that is really working. So, um, Yasmin, I wanted to ask you about what is next for you uh, in terms of your writing career. I understand that you are either working on another novel or you have one, a manuscript already finished, and please tell me we're going to see more of Lena in the future somewhere down the road.
2: Absolutely. So I I did just finish book two. So it is book two of this. So it's the sequel to this. um, And uh, it is going through developmental edits right now. I just turned that into my developmental editor. And so she's looking at it and we're, we're squaring away all of the the new things that, you know, Nina um, and her crew are going to get into. um, And then, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll have another after that, if, Um, if Thomas and Mercer, you know, say yes to that. Um, And then I am just going to continue. I've got a lot of different uh, standalone ideas too, that I want to, to kind of flesh out. And so those will also be something next for me. If I don't get like the number three, then I'm just going to move into the next uh, standalone that um, I was I'm, I'm toying around with. So yeah, there's definitely a, a lot of stuff that are in this head of mine and on my, you, you can't see my, my walls, but I've got like all these dry erase board of like all my different ideas and things like that. And so I can't wait to get into all of those. So there's a whole bunch of things in the mind of Yasmin that are ready for everyone to to read and, and hopefully see and things like that. But I definitely would like to to have you know more of Nina, not you know, just because I want you know people to just buy it or whatever, but because I love that character and I really love all of the characters that are in it. Even the bad people uh, you know I, I enjoy the things that they do um, because I just I love a good bad character that really makes you feel some kind of way and so that's those are the characters that I really try to to put in the story and so if you truly hate my character my bad characters or my mean characters then yes I've done my job
1: Fantastic, fantastic. So in our final moments with you today, Yasmin, if anyone wants to stay in contact with you, if they want to follow you on social media or follow you online, uh, how can they do that and stay in contact with you with everything you have going on? And then where can they get copies of Her Name is Night?
2: yeah so um, you can uh, reach me uh, through uh, Twitter or through Instagram um, my website is yasminongo.com and um, I think there's a contact me in there and so I've had you know some some people to reach out to me that way and I and I reply back um, at, you know because I love to hear what people have to say um, and uh, on Twitter I'm Yaz a writer um, and so you can find me there, and then Instagram. I'm author underscore Yaz. So you can, like I said, find me there. Um, and then, oh my goodness, what was the last? thing? Oh, where can um, where can they find it? You can go to Amazon.com. It's there. You can go to um, any of your bookstores, and you know, ask for it uh, if you don't see it on the shelves, and they will order it for you. So you know, just go out there and, and ask for it. If they don't know about it. Give her the give them the name. Give them the name and uh, they will order it for you and, and get it to you. Her
1: name is Knight. It is a fantastic book. Her Name is Night is the title. Uh, Yasmin Ongo is the author. We've been delighted to have her on the program here today to talk about uh, this fantastic book. I mean, this is a book that is high-octane action. If you were looking for that kind of a story, if you want a story centered around a character that readers don't typically see in kind of this this thriller assassin genre, uh, and if you want something that is stirring and suspenseful... Uh, Yasmin has given us a book that has all of those things and more. Again, the title of it is Her Name is Night. Yasmin Ongo is the author. Thomas and Mercer is the publisher. Yasmin, thanks so much for being on the program. Thanks for the conversation and and good luck with uh, this book. And uh, when you get that second book in the Lena series underway, we'd love to have you back on the program to talk about it. So thanks so much.
2: Absolutely.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We want to take a moment as we finish up this episode of Now Appalachia to give a special shout out and a thank you to the executive producer of the program. Her name is Pam Stack. She not only is the producer of this program, but also all of the programs that you see and hear on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And we also want to give a shout out to uh, the assistant producer of uh, the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. His name is Roman Sirotin. So we want to thank him uh, for helping Pam and helping all of us bring these podcasts to you each and every time uh, they appear not only uh, on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, but also on Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever it is that you uh, like to get your podcasts. We couldn't do this without them. So thanks, Pam and Roman, for all of your work. We also want to remind you, this is a copyrighted podcast that is also owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. That's going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening
0: to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program, and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.